When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Vikings fans, get it off your chest and get it on the air. Your comments, questions, your thoughts. Tweet us at Score North or call 651-646-8255. This is Vikings Vent Line. The fake in the pass. Caught. Kendrick Bourne for the touchdown. Receivers going out here. Cousins going deep downfield and adjusting and making the grab is Stefan Diggs for the touchdown. Good morning, everyone. It is a Sunday morning, day after version of Vikings Vent Line, live and local once again here on Score North on 1500. ScoreNorth.com. It is Darren Doogie Wolfson, as if you didn't get enough of Judd Zolgad, 9 to 10 a.m. He is back. He is live. He is alive. He I'm is ready to go for two hours. Hand, oh, yeah. Coffee you do have the coffee hand. in hand. You have your Gophers football coffee cup in hand. So it is Judd. It is Doogie. AJ is here producing, technically directing. And when AJ has something, just wave your hand, AJ. You can certainly contribute as well on air. Judd, the Vikings are stuck in middle purgatory. They are like the hockey team you cover on a regular basis. They are the wild. Yeah. That is what they are, Judd. They are stuck in middle purgatory. At some point, would it make some sense for the Vikings to hit rock bottom? To their credit, they haven't done that in a really, really long time. Really, under the leadership of the Wilfs, they have not hit rock bottom. The Les Frazier... uh Year that, that he actually survived the three and thirteen, right? Where, where they should have been one and fifteen and gotten Andrew Luck. That was as bad as they've been. But they won the late, right? And but they still they, blew that. So yes, I guess but yes, they, they came, did hit rock bottom, but they still didn't hit rock bottom the right way. No, they, and then they came back in uh, 2012, if I'm not mistaken about this, and made the playoffs. And so that mm-hmm. that bottom was very very brief and resulted in what um, taking Matt Khalil, I believe, at left tackle with. A pick they got from Cleveland, I think instead of the third, it was the fourth pick. Let me throw what you just said to me back at you with this attached to it, okay? In the case of the Wild, I see a path to do it. They're not taking it. They're probably too well coached, but I see the path to be bad. I see the path to make trades. I see the path. I see the path to, as I love to say, bail out, which I think is a good idea at times. The Vikings' path to bailing out, to me, far more murky right now because it would have to be even more thought out. The quarterback who who is just 
good enough to despise at times, mm-hmm. is back in 2020, and he is not a consistent train wreck. He's not awful. He play. I mean, I, I don't blame him for Sunday. Everyone played terrible, or for uh, the, the game on Saturday. All of that being said is, if you were the Wills Doogie, and you sat down and said, we need a hard reset here, and it's going to be, let's say, two years of three or four wins. It's going to get bad. How do you even get there? How do you get there? When do you get there? When do you fire people who I'm sure would come to you and object strongly and say we shouldn't do that? And it also runs against what the Wilfs believe because the Wilfs bought this team as longtime Giants fans. Laugh now, but in 2005, the the Giants were a very respectable team that Mm -hmm. would go on to win two Super Bowls with two goals in mind that they felt that um, the Giants had achieved. One at that point was stability. Two was championships. And as we we talked about off the air before this show started, Dukes, they've got the first one now. They've got stability. They've got the practice facility, which is gorgeous. They've got the gorgeous stadium. They've got a good football team, not a great team. They're stuck, to your point again. All of that being said, to achieve the latter goal of championships you would have to be willing to sacrifice your first goal, which has been achieved, of stability. I think it's much tougher to do the teardown here than it is for a team like the Wild, who I feel like I can go to St. Paul for the Canucks game today and say, boys, if you let me push you off the ledge, you'll be done. You're right. It is murky. I mean, as I think through this, what is the logical path to truly hitting rock bottom? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it starts with letting a lot of these guys go. You don't re-sign Everson Griffin. You don't re-sign Trey Waynes, Mackenzie Alexander. Fine on Anthony Harris. Zim loves Anthony Harris. If you want to bring back Anthony Harris, fine. So be it. Although Anthony's not a young guy. But you let a lot of these guys go. Yep. In hindsight, although I think a lot of us made this point at the time in March, but they should have let Anthony Barr go. Hmm. Right? They could have used that money on... You know, the tackle who ended up in Denver, James, from Miami. They really liked him. Now, that would have been a complete reconfigure of the offensive line. Who knows if Riley Reeve stays? Does he shift to guard? You know, James is more a right tackle. Does O'Neal move to left tackle? There would have been a lot of moving parts, but maybe they should have invested more in the offensive line last March. But moving forward, yeah, it's really hard, right? Because you're right, the quarterback is good enough. Yeah, He's not good enough to truly elevate a team Really, I mean, without all the supporting pieces, like you even think back to the New Orleans game, as good as he was down the stretch, mm-hmm. or I guess more so specifically in overtime, it was because so many other parts of the offense were clicking. To his credit, he made the big throw to Thielen. But I think when you really need the quarterback to make multiple big boy throws, to really elevate a team, yep. hey, get on my back. Yeah, no, that's not him. That's not him. Nope. But I think you knew that when you signed him. Correct. He was still better than the alternative. I do fully believe that they made the right decision when they gave him three years, $84 million. But yeah, I think he is too good where in 2020, yeah, I don't know if there's a path to hitting rock bottom. Dukes, I think two things can be said and are true. The Vikings took the correct swing on Kirk. Now, unfortunately, it came because partially because uh, Teddy had got hurt before what the 2016 season, mm-hmm. which was a huge blow. That that changed the course of the intent, the intentions of the franchise completely. 
because they thought that they had finally found, and think think about this, they probably thought that they had finally found their quarterback, their first one since Culpepper, and in some ways probably long-term since Tarkington. Mm-hmm. So when Teddy went down, that changed the course of the history as the Vikings had planned it. But I think it's fair to say that when you look at the name quarterbacks who hit the market, it's extremely rare. The Kirk Cousins, it's not like, oh, man, you had your options of, let's say, Brady, Rodgers, and Cousins, and you picked wrong. These guys don't hit the market. Kirk did, and we know why he did, but he did. So I think it's fair to say that you took the proper swing because anybody that thought that Case Keenum was going to come back in 2018 and repeat 17, I contend, was crazy. But I also think it's fair to say that what you tried to pounce on with one year left in Kirk's contract, and this is not all a Kirk conversation, Dukes, didn't work. It didn't work. 17 was 13-3. and Yes, you got torched by Philadelphia in the conference title game. But everything you did was based on, and we saw it again, we saw a glimpse here, in the Saints game. It was based on your defense being great, Kirk not screwing up, and oh, by the way, Kirk can make some throws that Case probably can't, and he's not going to, in his best games, throw a pick or fumble. All right? So to me, the Saints game was a very brief, again, glimpse of what could have been and what the Vikings intended. But the defense took steps back. There's no question. Um, there, there was, There's almost, Doogie, in my mind, a confusion about who Cousins was supposed to be. Because now it's like, well, Kirk Cousins has failed them. And if you thought he was going to be Brady, Rodgers, or Breeze, you're crazy. He wasn't going to be. That that guy doesn't exist unless you draft him and develop him or or a guy like Breeze who, what, 2005 miraculously becomes available in trade. So I think it is it is fair to say the Vikings took a very fair swing on Cousins and that and that team. They said the window is open and Kirk Cousins can win, and we believe that Kirk Cousins can not be a playoff quarterback, but part of, and part of is the key phrase here, not a championship, a QB himself, part of a championship team. All right, that was a nice thought. We all thought in March 2018, oh, this is really cool. I also firmly believe now, as we talk one day after the 2019 season's come to an end for the Vikings, that it's fair to say it was a swing and a miss, and it didn't work. And the defense has regressed enough now. And they're not terrible. They're still good. I'm not, you know, they're not a mess. But all of these things lead me down a path of where you're going, which is, one, you seem stuck, and two, what are you going to do next? I don't know. Let's get into whether the window is still open or is it closed. But let me give out the phone number. This is Vikings Vent Line on this Sunday morning, the 12th of January. Darren Doogie Wolfson, Judd Zolgad from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Score North on 1500, scorenorth.com. We want to hear from you. We will roll through as many calls as humanly possible over the next two hours. 651-646-8255. 651-646-8255. Your thoughts on the loss yesterday, your thoughts big picture, whatever is on your mind, give us a ring. All right, Judd, is the window closed is this it with all the guys that they have that are free agents with dalvin cook i'm not joking when i say this Mm -hmm. now he doesn't have leverage i mean it's melvin gordon-esque yes so i mean i don't necessarily know what a holdout would accomplish but Mm -hmm. he is looking for more than what ezekiel elliott got Mm -hmm. bottom line he is looking for about 100 million dollars cook is entering the final year of his deal 
So his agent and the Vikings will get together, presumably as soon as later this month. Or I guess it would be February, right? We're still in January. The combine. end of February at the Combine. Probably the Combine. In Indianapolis. Who sure. knows? Maybe they plant a seed before January is over. They'll talk Meet in person in Indianapolis. Yes. So this is going to happen fast. Yep. But you truly can't give him that much money. It's not a knock against Cook. It's just the way the league is going. You cannot give a running back mm-hmm. that much money. Mm-hmm. But do you think the window is still even relatively open. As we look ahead to later this year, the 2020 season, one year from now, could we be sitting here and having a conversation about the Vikings winning a divisional round playoff game, getting ready for the NFC championship game? I think the window, I'll consolidate that question just a little bit, or I'll tell you this. I think the window that you thought you had for a championship is most definitely closed. I think this is probably a playoff team. I think this is probably, this could be, I'm disappointed that they won 10 games because you didn't win in week two in Green Bay when you certainly could have. You didn't win in Kansas City when you didn't get Mahomes, but you got what? Matt Moore, right? You didn't win in Seattle when you played them tough. You know, until you beat the Saints, in my opinion, you did not beat a really good team. The Cowboys win at the time, prime time win in Dallas, seemed nice. But then the Cowboys went off the tracks completely. Jason Garrett became, I, I don't know how, but a, a punchline. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Saints win, to me, was your first one where you said, I can sink my teeth into that win. So, is this a playoff team still possibly? Could they win another playoff game in uh, 2021? Yeah, absolutely. But is the window open for this to be a championship team? I don't see it. I just don't. And, and part of my response is off this, Dukes. You tell me this. How many players do you look at on this roster currently and say they are ascending players? That I still I man, they could be, you know, they could be this next year. De- Dalvin Cook, to me, hell of a player, right? Really good. But I can tell you after three years exactly who he is. When healthy, he can be a force. I can also tell you, I can, I, I'll guarantee you right now, he he does not play. If he does get a contract extension or just decides to play the fourth year, I agree with you, he won't. But he does not play 16 games. Mm-hmm. He gets hurt. He tries to play hurt. He's not as good. How many guys can you do you look at on that roster and say, ascending player who could make a difference next year because he's going to be that much better than he was in 2019? Irv Smith Jr. Agreed. Alexander Madison. Okay. To a certain extent. Yeah. Fair. That's fair. <laughs> I mean, you think Garrett Bradbury I mean, will make strides, that, but would I call that ascending or just nat- oh, some natural progression? I mean, I think Ifedi Odenabo has not hit his ceiling yet. I okay. think he has a chance to be really good. That's I, why we could have a conversation about, is it time, not only to jettison Xavier Rhodes and some other guys, but, man, Linval Joseph, I mean, based on what we saw yesterday, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't have all the cap ramifications in front of me. So if you don't gain... Much room. Okay, I get it. You bring back Linval. I'll check that out. But I don't know if Linval has a whole lot left. But how about Odenabo? I still think Stephen Weatherly has a ceiling he can get to. Now, he's a free agent. That's yes. why I think Everson Griffin gone. You invest in a younger guy like Stephen Weatherly. I think Eric Wilson, if he gets more snaps, 
still has a ceiling. Yeah, but those do do those snaps exist? They brought back Barr and Kendricks is phenomenal. No, they don't. So those snaps probably aren't there. Uh, he's probably playing as much of a role as he's going to play, certainly for next season. I mean, I think I'm listing all the guys. I mean, I guess you hope that there's more with Garrett Bradbury. Uh, let's see here. Oh, 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 the dead cap hit on Joseph for 2020 is not bad. It's $2.4 million. It's way down. All right, so... So you could let him go. You could make a case that Linval Joseph doesn't belong back in the 2020 Vikings. And take that cap hit. Yeah. Right, but does but does Mike do that? You know, no, it's so no, clear. No, no. But no. but here's a, here's the thing with... But that's where the front office needs to put their foot down absolutely. and say, Mike, but here's we've where, given you so much, enough is enough. This guy... I think deep down in Mike's heart, Mike's a good guy, like a good coach. I think Mike likes his players. I think he loves them at times. Mm-hmm. But here's where Belichick, for as big a SOB as he can be, is so successful. He looks at guys like Barr and says, Anthony, if you walk out that door and go see the Jets, you're not coming back here. And Barr says, but coach, what if I have a change of heart? And he says, there will be no change of heart from me. You're done. You know, the Vikings very easily could have told Anthony Barr, Anthony, you elected to go there. The fact that you are now realizing the Jets are dumpster fire and a complete joke, and and I believe I believe Barr said he was crying and throwing up or something, mm-hmm. um, it's too bad. That's not our problem. But we have taken your allotment, and that's going towards a guard, a tackle, whatever. But Mike and Rick... And the Wilfs, because the Wilfs and the Wilfs deserve credit for this. Here, here's where I'm torn too. Just quickly, here's where I'm torn. This predates Mike by a lot. Wilfs bought this team in 2005, and, and as I said, their goals, their stated goals to me were stability, which at that time the Vikings didn't really have, and championships. But they also set the precedent, to their credit, of rewarding under contract first, first contract guys with second contracts that were favorable, fair, favorable, but showed a loyalty, right? And they've done that ever since. And there are times where that's awesome. That's great, right? That's fantastic. But there are times when you say, this is the National Football League. Careers are short. Um, Being liked by players, important, but not imperative all the time. So when Anthony Barr does call you last year, you've got to tell him, I'm sorry, it's just not there. You know, well, Rhodes, you could have made a compelling case on Rhodes that you started to see a decline a while back. And what were you going to do about that? And yet you really didn't do much about it. And and Rhodes, Rhodes has gone from being a top five corner in this league in 2017, which I think is fair to say, top three maybe, he was up there, mm-hmm. to being a liability a lot of times. Not all the time. There are. I'm not blaming the defensive struggles all on Z- Xavier Rhodes, but I am saying that there could have been a time to very easily say, we have to make a move there, and the Vikings instead say, you've been good to us, you've been good for us. Well, heck, I think yesterday Kyle Shanahan, if he needed Garoppolo to make more throws, I think the game plan was, we are going after Rhodes. Mm-hmm. That is the guy we want to attack. So, yeah, I mean, Xavier Rhodes... You know, you have the numbers in front of you, but I know that they can gain a good amount of relief. I mean, it's just about a foregone conclusion. They need to make a move on Rhodes. Or if he wants to be back in 2020, he needs to take a significant pay cut. 651-646-8255, Vikings Ventline. On this Sunday morning, Darren Doogie Wolfson, Judd Zolgad, and Ben in Florida. Ben in Florida, welcome to Vikings Ventline. Hey, guys. Um... So after I've uh, stood on this for about 
overnight for a while. Judd, I agree with you that that the Wilfs have rewarded guys for you know their second contracts and keeping guys around. But for the second part, if their plan is to win championships with this formula, they have to make a change in a football operation. They have to move on from Mike Zimmer. They have to move on from Rick Spielman. And that's a difficult that's gonna that is a very difficult thing for them to do. Zimmer's the third winningest coach in Vikings history. That's not an easy guy you just move off from. Mm-hmm. But you know but all but there's three guys that have deficiencies that have shown up consistently since over the last two years. Kirk Cousins, Mike Zimmer, and Rick Spielman. Rick has a hard time finding a quarterback. Mike does not deal with quarterbacks very well and has at times the team has not been prepared in big games. And the quarterback not very not very often shows up does not show up in big games or cannot over overcome circumstances. So those and unfortunately for them, their roster is set up where they can get out of a lot of these contracts. But I really think that the Wills have to hit the reset button because the last thing I need as a fan is just to turn into Marvin Lewis in Cincinnati where you're good, you'll make the playoffs, but it stops there every single year. So I think the Wills have to make the difficult decision and completely hit the reset button. What do you think about that? Ben, thank you. Great call. You can make a compelling case to move on, to make drastic changes. I don't see it happening. Now, okay, the Mike Zimmer case. Six years, two playoff victories. It's not easy to win 10 games, right? So, I mean, he's capable of doing that. Oh, yeah. But then you look at the Philadelphia game. You look at last year. You still had a chance to make the playoffs. You lay an egg against Chicago Week 17. The last game... Then yesterday. The last game of the last three seasons have all been dreadful. Embarrassing. Philadelphia, embarrassing. Chicago had nothing to play for. Embarrassing. Yesterday, you got physically... By a coach who loves physical football. The most football-y football guy in football, right? Zim. Mm -hmm. Loves it. 63 years old. Let's go play in the mud. Football. Thank you. I mean, he had to love. And physically, you got done. The the San Francisco 49ers rushed the ball 47 times. The Vikings ran 45 plays. That's amazing. So the the 49ers had more running plays than the Vikings had plays total. Correct. Let's not forget the one touchdown drive. This is what Zimmer had to love. Run, 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 run. Eight times. Eight times. After the Cousins. consecutive runs. After the Sherman pick of Cousins, correct? Yeah, that was the ball game, right? Yes. I mean, at the half, you could make a case. And Thielen did cut the route off, and I don't know why. And I, I saw that that in a delicious irony of the 2019 season, he apologized to Kirk this time. Mm-hmm. We're all apologizing. How about people stop apologizing and start making plays? You're right, the irony, right? Because it was the Chicago game, the Chicago right? Game. I should have got the ball. I'd like to apologize. And he yeah. brought Thielen onto his podcast to apologize, and now you got Thielen apologize. How about we quit with the niceties and start making plays, huh? <laughs> But but Dukes, to your point though, who you and doing, Ben's point, if you're gonna if you're gonna hit the button, if you're gonna hit the detonate button, yeah, who are you bringing in that's better? Exactly. Well, and and Mike is going to have you know. Let's say you love Mike, okay? Let's say you love Rick and Mike, and you think we got to hit a reset, we got to get bad to get good, which you could make the case. Mike's sixty three years old. Mike's not going along with that. It's like Boudreaux. Bruce is desperately trying to win in St. Paul. 
personally, I would tell him, Bruce, eh, eh, you lose. It's fine. But he's not going to do that. And Mike's going to be the same way. And so if you're going to hit, if you're going to hit the button, if you're going to hit the detonate button on this franchise, we're talking about, and we also are talking about a team that not often through the course of, of at least since Bud took over in 67, there have not been a lot of clunkers. There have been bad years, but not complete clunkers, like three wins, four wins. If you hit the button that we're talking about as well, it's, you know, you could talk about it. Fans could say, oh, I think they should be gone or they should, they should do this or that. But if you do that, you're talking about a couple years at least of awful football. I'll tell so, you what, so this is a very di- this is a very dicey conversation. It it's is, but if there was a path, and again, I can't stress this enough, I don't, I I can't figure out a logical path to truly hitting rock bottom. But like, I think Carolina is about to hit rock bottom. They hire the Baylor coach Matt Rule. He can get his feet wet. They can hit rock bottom and position themselves to get the Clemson quarterback in the twenty twenty one draft. I love that kid. I love him. Trevor Lawrence, man. I mean, just like you thought Andrew him. Luck coming out of Stanford yeah, yes. had superstar written all over him. I'm with you on this. This is Trevor Lawrence. I mean, yep. whoever ends up with the Clemson quarterback has a superstar, right? Yes. So he, for Carolina, he's, he's, now no guarantees Carolina ends up it. with the first pick. He's got it, though. But he has it, right? And not many guys do. So that's why you want to hit rock bottom in 2020 to I position know. yourself for the Clemson quarterback. I don't disagree. But they can't do it. But they're not going to get there that fast. No. Kirk Cousins is going to, well, you know what Kirk is? Kirk is probably a combination, to, to go back to the parallel that you uh, drew to start the show, Kirk Cousins is probably a, uh, a combination of Zach Parise, Ryan Suter. They're not superstars, but they're good enough. They're good enough, and they don't have any interest in being bad, and so they are, and they can't be bad enough to be as bad as you want them to be, if that makes any sense. Yes, that part makes sense. I guess to defend my guy Suter, being a defenseman, you can only control so much from that particular position. Right. A little bit different, especially different when comparing but even they have a different, but they to also, Cousins. But all three of them have a very different vision of why they're here still. Like if you went to Zach and Ryan and said, gentlemen, it's been fun. We can't trade you, but it didn't work, and so we just don't care. They're going to be like, oh, no, we came here to win. We still came here to win, and you'd say, "Oh no, no, the, no! That window's closed." You know, the playoff appearances were fun. That's closed. The athlete can't process that. The athlete can't process that their prime years are probably gone. You know, Zach. Like if you told Zach, "Dude, it's just not going to work here, and we're just going to be bad." Which I'm okay with to a degree. Like with Cousins, mm-hmm. I don't want him necessarily thinking, especially with the guaranteed money. The no trade power, right? But that's where you're. I don't want him to have stuck. Yeah, that's where you are stuck in middle purgatory. Yeah. All right, back to the phone lines we go. Six five one six four six eight two five five six five one six four six eight two five five Vikings vent line on this Sunday morning live and local on Score North on fifteen hundred. It's ten twenty six a.m. on this Sunday morning, the twelfth of January. It is Darren Doogie Wolfson. It is Judd Zolgad, and it is Dave in South Carolina. Hi, Dave. Dave. Hey guys, how are you today? Good. How are you? More importantly, uh, I'm a lot better. Uh, <clears throat> um, I just wanted to let you know I really appreciate you guys taking calls today. I, I was uh, surprised after last night that, as long as you were on, you were going to take them. So good to hear from you, uh, do You listen. I'm <clears throat> I'm going to try to put my thoughts together as best I can, Jed. Um, remember when we talked? You know, I know we've talked about this before. I called you and I said, Hey, look. 
uh, moving forward um, <clears throat> for a lot of reasons. And um, I thought we had it. I, I tricked myself, and then I thought about it a lot after I called last night, and I realized that let me ask you a question. Uh, maybe I'm fooling myself, but, you know, is it really is it really the case that, that this roster is really as talented um, as we think it is? Now, I guess my question would be, I'm starting to wonder if I was from another organization, I look at this organization's talent um, and depth and uh, issues with the offensive line uh, with a quarterback who can only play in a very narrow um, strain, focus of ability, uh, and, and, you know, the, uh, uh, the way the offense is running right now. Um, so I guess I wanted to ask you a question. I want to make another comment or two after that, but, but, you know, how do you feel like we're viewed, uh, from the outside looking in? That would be my question. I think we're, I think the Vikings as a franchise are viewed as a very, um, uh, consistent, respectable. Like I, I think that they have a good reputation now with how things are run, Dave. But I right. also, but I also would say the flip side of that comment is I don't think that they are are, are viewed as or feared as a serious contender. Mm-hmm. I think the Vikings are viewed right. as a stable team that does a good job, that doesn't embarrass. You know, they're they're not the Jets. Certainly, they're certainly not Cleveland. But that being said, if you were to also say, okay, give me your top five teams that, that when a season starts, you fear the Vikings aren't close. And they have been at times right? in the last 10 to 15 years. There have been years where they probably have been, but consistently, absolutely not. Yeah, and Dave, I'll just right. hop in before you hop in again. I think, yeah. you know, if you took the temperature of the league, I think they look at this as a very stable situation. I think they look at the practice facility as being the Taj Mahal maybe Dallas, yeah. but, you know, just every everything that a coach slash coaching staff slash a front office needs to win is in place. I can tell you from corresponding with a number of agents that a number of agents highly respect the Vikings front office. They gotcha. like Mike Zimmer as mm-hmm. a head coach. So I think, yeah, okay. I mean, I think it's everything that Judd laid out. But, yeah, I mean, is there is there a big-time fear factor? No, but, yeah, they are not a train wreck like a number of franchises like the New York Jets and others. Well, and and that and that's my larger point and you know and I'm I'm pretty dialed in and and I think that uh that's a very good assessment and I I think the other piece of this though is is the talent overall cuz I've been telling Judd it's one of the best rosters in football, <clears throat> you know, and I've watched football for many years. I know a lot about the organization. But I had to think last night after I watched the other game after that and watched these games today is that really the case? And the point I'm trying to make is that you and I both, both y'all know that even though Rick has the ability to, to handle the draft, um, it's obvious that, that Zimmer um, has a big foot on calling the shots. I think y'all would agree. Everything from, um, you know, where, how we draft to, to, uh, to, to free agents to, to some of the things that we're investing in. So my point is this, I want to just make is that, you know, Rick, has got a lot more slippery in him, quote-unquote, than Zimmer does. So the only way I think it would work <clears throat> is if, uh, you know, somehow a change was made with Zimmer uh, for the reasons that we've talked about, as much as I hate to say because I love Zim, and then Rick stays along. And I made this comment last night, and y'all probably think I'm crazy, but I do think that if it's an attractive job, I'm just throwing this out there, and you've got a general manager who is can play a role of, hey, I'll me work with you, hey, let's build this, hey, let's evaluate our talent. 
then, you know, you know the thought is you always go to an offensive mind when you've been with a defensive mind. So there's plenty of coaches out there. This is a tough time to do it. I understand it's not the, the maybe the right time, but let me ask you guys, if you're trying to win championships and you listen to your fan base and you really want to be successful, I don't think a lot of these players, when I see the game and I see this offense go into that whole mode, Jeb, we talked about it, a bad Kirk or – you know, the offense plays like a high school level. <clears throat> um, you can just see, can't you, um, the deflation um, on the other side. And I still think that there's some stuff to all that. And I think that there are some guys, as much as they loved um, Zimmer, I just think that maybe that time and that approach is winding down. And it's going to probably happen next year, let's face it, if it doesn't happen now. So in my opinion, the best thing I've heard all throughout we talked about taking the two first-round picks, right, and going and getting Jalen Ramsey and making a change at one position. Well, I think the only way to do that now is in the draft to go get a two or somebody like that to send some picks and get a player that can change the position uh, now. And I think you need to have the right person in place to say, okay, that's the right direction, Rick. R- Rick, your roster really isn't where it is, Rick. Um, or this is the way we need to look at, Rick. And I think that Another offensive mind could do that. My last point is, if you decide to get rid of both <clears throat> because of their time by each other's loyalty and they like each other, and I, and I respect all that, there's always George Payton and Rob Brzezinski there. And as long as those two are there, uh, I feel confident that they could find a right, the right piece here, guys. And yeah, I don't know what to say. I'm just, I'm just extremely frustrated. I don't want to go through another year of this, and that's what we're going down that path. And um, do we want to be loyal? Or do we want to make a tough decision and win? And I think that that's where the Wilfs were and have been. Right. And I respect that. And that's where I am as a fan. And um, I don't know what you guys think. Thanks, but, Dave. You know, yeah, I'll I'm put at. you yeah. on hold, Dave. You can hear our back and forth. Appreciate the call. I mean, I guess on Tua, I mean, where are you picking? They're picking in the 20s, right? I don't have their exact Yeah, pick. probably 25, 26, so right? So you would need to move up. Which, I, which, by the way, intrigues me. 18 to 20 spots. It intrigues Today's me, but point, how much would you have me. to give up? Well, here's what... Here, and what about the medical reports on, on Tua, right? I mean, yes. Right, but you would have... The Tua pre-injury, this this latest injury, yes, sign me up. It sounds like they caught it in time. The, the Bo Jackson problem was he, was he continued to play on the bad hip and did irreparable damage to it. Tua, it sounds like they got it in, in time. And the luxury that you would have in Minnesota with Tua is Kirk Cousins going to play. So Kirk Cousins, now he might not like Tua being drafted, but I don't care. I'll just say, Kirk, suck it up, shut up, play play football. Um, but that would give you the luxury of Tua going to meetings, learning, rehabbing, and then taking the starting quarterback job in 2021. I will the pro, Dave's asking a lot of great questions that can't be answered right now. We don't know. I will say this. Fans probably, some fans want Rick fired. Don't think it happens. I think he probably gets Another extension. Probably short, but extension. What kind of extension? One year? Two years? Charlie Walters in the St. Paul paper today said that he thinks or reports, and I'm guessing he heard this from sources, that Rick and Mike will get another one-year extension apiece, taking them through 2021. All right. Well, is Mike fair game for that? I mean, I would, Mike might offer some resistance on that. Maybe not Rick. Well, here's my guess. I don't know if Mike's going to be like, okay, just give want, me a one-year extension. If you want my guess, I think they're both going to get two-year extensions on top of 
of the fact their options were picked up for 2020. Mm-hmm. So that would be three more years. All right? Fans are going to bristle at that. I'm and, with you. And I don't blame them for bristling, but my point is I think that happens. That's just my gut. Um, but the one thing that has to start to become clear, at least there has to be a tipping of the hand in the coming months, is this one. What are you going to do at quarterback? Collar thinks Cousins is going to get an extension. I don't I don't buy that necessarily. But so the but then if he doesn't get an extension, what are you going to do? Where are you going to draft one? Are you going to try to draft a couple? Are you try you know you can't if if they don't sign Cousins to a contract extension and they get to training camp next year and it's um Kirk Cousins and Mannion's back, Doogie, I will be floored by that. Something's gotta something's gotta happen here to give us an indication of where these guys are gonna go at probably the most important position in all of sports. Do you trust that front office to do better than Kirk? That's another that's another So going question. down the Matt do Collar path and that's Rick. I would not be surprised, right? Depending on the money, what is Kirk seeking? But how are you gonna get a championship? What is a fair extension for Kirk Cousins? But I would not be surprised if that is you have, the ultimate endgame. Do you have any faith that Kirk Cousins as your quarterback, can be, even as a piece of the puzzle, so not the key piece, but just a, just an important piece, can be the quarterback on your Super Bowl championship team. If there is a Super Bowl parade, if 94 is shut down, and they're going like the Twins did, God bless them, it was fun, from Minneapolis to the Capitol, or something like that, okay? Motorcade, Lombardi Trophy, in a convertible. Do you have any faith that Kirk Cousins can be the guy holding that trophy as the quarterback on your Super Bowl championship team. No, I mean, this is who Kirk is, right? Yes. It's what we discussed about 30 minutes ago. That when you really need him to say, hey, get on my back. I'm going to carry us. Is he capable? When his surrounding pieces are playing at a high level, like last Sunday in New Orleans, can he make, when the time is right, a big boy throw? Yeah, he can. Mm Mm-hmm. He's not bad. He's good. He's not great. And I just don't know if he truly can elevate those around him. Now, the interesting thing that I have not, and I've talked about this in the past, but not yet today, the interesting thing is also if Kirk is going to be, like let's say we torture this thing into a Super Bowl title, okay, with Kirk as your starting quarterback, Dukes. If that is to be the case, the offensive line has to be improved. It's that simple. And this is not Kirk's fault, but it's not good. Pass protection is not good. Elf line's a swinging gate. Bradbury might improve, but you tried, you know, you tried with a first round pick. And there were times when, when I thought the poor guy was going to be tossed into the stands. So, all of that being said, the other thing about the Cousins extension that if I'm the Vikings becomes imperative is. If Kirk come, if Kirk's people come to me and say extension talks, let's do it. I say absolutely, but here's the key: it has to favor us. Mm-hmm. And if we they can't say, give you thirty-one right. million dollars. And if they guaranteed. say, look at Kirk's stats, we need to break the bank again. I say, no. Here's the problem: the guy who's going to break the bank is probably going to be the left tackle I signed to protect your client. Mm-hmm. Because without that protection and a left guard, because without that protection, I need to give. 
the the circumstances, and we've all said this now, for Kirk Cousins to succeed need to be perfect around him. The environment, the weather, everything, right? It needs to be perfect around him. The only way I achieve that is with an offensive line that I probably consider one of, at the very least, the top 10 best in this league. That and that has to come, and I know, I know that this is going to cause Kirk to walk, but that has to come at the expense of Kirk Cousins' contract. It does. Now you're not signing that left tackle. You're likely either trading for that left tackle, Trent Williams, but I'm allocating Laramie money Tunsil, for these you know, people somebody of that ilk, or you're drafting him. that left tackle, correct? Then eventually paying that left tackle, yep. you know, with the second contract, big money. Yeah, I mean, think about yesterday. It was about fifty percent of Kirk Cousins' dropbacks. He was under pressure. I think it was 46 to be exact, but the point is, every other time he dropped back yesterday, I mean, it was constant, constant pressure. All right, back to the phone lines we go. It's Vikings Vent Line on Score North on this Sunday morning, the 12th of January. Let's now hear from Pat in St. Paul. Hello, Pat. Hey, boys. How are we doing? What's up? Doing okay, Pat. Hey, uh, I want to make an argument for not blowing it up, all right? So uh, I know it's all cute to get all recency bias and assume that because we lost to a really, really good 49ers team soundly, like they were clearly the better team yesterday, that we should blow up the whole thing and just start from scratch. You know who else the Niners humiliated were the Packers, which was maybe the best game of the year, by the way. Uh, <laughs> it's not. There's no shame in losing to a great team, and I just think they have more talent, and uh, mm-hmm. they executed better yesterday, so that's fine. Uh, number two, like you guys brought up earlier, I don't know who you're going to find out there that you think is a major upgrade from Zimmer, Spielman, Cousins, uh, with any kind of you know relative attention to cap and how that affects the rest of the team. I don't know how we're going to stomach five awful years in Minnesota for the sake of one loss in the playoffs to a 13 and three team. And then more than anything else, I, I look at you know the nature of the NFL is out of all the four major sports, it is easier for a team that sneaks into the playoffs to win a Super Bowl in the NFL than any of the other four sports, right? Um, yeah, there's, it's a one-game weekend. There's no series. That, you know, kind of uh, makes a lot of parody right there. Like the Titans. You get the Eagles. The Titans last but see, night. Again, that is still... Yeah, you would have told me the Titans would have enough. beaten Tom Brady and then embarrassed the Ravens at home who were the odds-on favorite to win the Super Bowl and shut Lamar Jackson down for the first time all season, I would have said you were crazy, but that's the NFL, right? So I still think that's a mirage, though, Pat. I mean, if you go back many years, look at how many one and two seeds end up playing in the conference championship game. I'll give you sure, Tennessee's sure. run. I mean, no doubt about it. I just think that's more the exception, not the norm. I, 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 I think it's... The exception rather than the rule, for sure. But I would say it's like, what, 30 40% rather than 10 15%? I mean, what we're saying is I, I think it's, it's predictable that with the current roster, you know, paying attention to the needs at cornerback and offensive line right. this year, uh, I think it's predictable that maybe in the next 10 years, the Vikings make the playoffs, what, seven, eight times? I would say maybe minimum. Mm. Um, Maybe a little and, less, you know, but yeah, five, right around there. Sure, right, yeah, wild card, five, six seed, whatever. Right. Um, I don't know, man. I'll roll the dice with that. I, I, I I'm more hey, confident in a Viking hey, Pat, team like this catching fire. Yeah. Hey, Pat. Here, here's here's where where it gets dicey personally for me. When they got blown out in Philly, right? 
that was a team where you said, "Hold on a second here. This is still a really good team, and you and you definitely need some significant tweaks there." And that that's obviously why they signed Cousins. But that was a team that that as bad as that Eagles game looked and was, and an, it, embarrassing as that final score was, Pat. You looked at that team and said, "This is a window wide open opportunity team." To go back to this team now, it's not that they're bad. It's it's to go back to, to what Doogie started today's show with, the word, and I think it's the right word, it feels stuck. Like, you tell me, this could be easily, in 2020, a playoff team again, but do you see them getting on that role? Do you see them, do you see that this team ha- having enough dynamic uh, players to potentially win three playoff games? Or if they are a top, what, two seed Two playoff games. That's my thing. The 17 team into 18, I said, absolutely. Yeah, bring this thing back. Run this back. But the danger in football, too, is running it back more so, I think, than any other sport, Pat, becomes incredibly dicey because people age quickly. People break down. Things change. I'm not trying to say that this is going to be a terrible team going forward. I'm saying, do you hit a hard reset in some ways because you do feel like the window on this current group, or a lot of them, has closed. Sure. No, that makes perfect sense. I think um, if, if the question is, am I confident that the Vikings can catch fire, win three road playoff games next year, um, the answer is yeah. I mean, I think it's possible. Is it likely? Is it more than 50%? Of course not, because it's not for any team that has to go on the road and win three playoff games against teams with better records. Um I'm not saying we change nothing on the roster between this year and next year because one more year on Xavier Rhodes is not going to make his coverage any better and a lot with the other guys on the team. I think there are changes that need to be made, but I think uh, blowing up the roster and assuming that you're going to be in a better place five years from now than you are today by blowing it up, that, that's, a, that's a dicey proposition for me. I, don't, I, don't, I think it's more likely that you tweak the team, make improvements, and we'll be in a better spot in five years than if you just scrap the whole thing. All right, Pat, thank you for the phone call. I think what Pat lays out, Judd, is probably more likely. I mean, because we don't see the path to really tearing this thing down. Right, we're saying you probably can't. So in all likelihood, Cousins is back next year. He's got the guaranteed contract, no trade power. Zimmer is back. Spielman is back. Mm -hmm. We will see clearly some tweaks with the roster, but we are not going to see... Big time changes. So this is what we'll see here for the 2020 season. I just feel like if there, there was a window of opportunity, Doogie, that presented itself, let's say from 17 to 19, that that is now closed. Now, does that does that mean that they absolutely can't make some type of run in 2020? No, it does not. But here's my problem. Aging players, aging defensive players who might kept, and the other thing that bothered me about this team, and the Saints game masked this a bit and was impressive, the other thing that bothered me about this team, Green Bay losses, um, it felt far more mentally weak than previous teams on, under this coach. The, there, was a, there was a lack of resilience that bothered me. I'll give you a, I'll give you a perfect example of a resilient bunch of players. P.J. Flex Gophers, right? They got done by Wisconsin. That was pretty embarrassing. Mm-hmm. In fact, I draw parallels between what happened to the Vikings against the Niners on Saturday and the Badger Gopher game as far as 
Halftime, you're thinking, well, it's not pretty, but you're still in this game, and you come out in the third quarter, and bang, that game is taken, gone. But they come back. The Gophers came back a lot, I thought, and showed resilience that impressed me. This Vikings team didn't. You know, that that no-show against the Packers in, in the Monday night game here was, to me, a complete embarrassment. There was still a chance to go up to the fifth seed at that point. And yes, Dalvin Cook didn't play. I get that. But a lot of guys did play. And that was a that was a bad loss. Bad look. Defense wore down. I don't blame them. Offense couldn't keep the ball. Um, all of that, though, is my roundabout way of saying is I, I think the window that we talked about when Cousins signed is now closed. And if they go on a run in 2020, it's going to be more of a one-off opportunity than the culmination of something. Back to the phone lines we go. It's Billy in Minneapolis. Hello, Billy. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning. Hey, um, you know, it's a completely different game. If, if Cousins has time, you know, this is like we've been saying this for, you know, for the last few years. And so, you know, Elfline was the was the talk of the town being the center. And then they figured they could move him to guard. And now we have Bradbury. He's a, you know, rookie, of course. But it seemed like like the Green Bay game and a couple other games this year and definitely yesterday, that pressure was coming up front. I mean, Reef is holding his own mm-hmm. with the with the end rushers, but that pressure up right up the gut. And Cousins doesn't have I mean, I am not gonna defend all his actions, but you gotta give him time and if he has time he can pick up it's a completely different game if Cousins has time. And how good do we how good do we know Elfline's any good at guard? I'll hang up, thanks. Thanks, Billy. Well, I mean, Pat played some guard at Ohio State, yeah. so there was a body of work. But yeah, I mean, that's good. that's a fair criticism. I mean, I thought the 49ers did a great job of, of A, taking away the run game, and B, taking away the bootleg, forcing Cousins to be a pocket passer. Mm-hmm. He's not a pocket passer. And yeah, you're right. I mean, even Design going back you're right. to week one, Grady Jarrett, we saw it from week one. So it's not like well, we're Bay. shocked. Green Bay in week two. Yeah, week two with Kenny Bradbury and Elfline. We saw it all year for the most part, right? So it's not like, you know, the 49ers generating pressure up the middle was any sort of surprise. But Cousins can't take that. And and, in Cousins' defense, Drew Brees couldn't. That's the thing is where where this league has changed drastically. I started covering this league in 03 with, with the Packers. And back then, you had a right end, right? Edge guy that could rush. Jared Allen, you know, great edge guys. And you'd put two, and I loved them, God bless them, two fat human beings or, you know, not your most athletic guys to stop the run, Mm -hmm. Grady Jackson, Pat Pat Williams, Williams, Ted Washington. Yes. And those guys stopped the run, and that was so football. Who's the Patriot I'm thinking about? Uh, Vince Wolfork. Yes, thank you. Okay, so those guys would stop the run. but and, And they could generate a little bit of push, a little bit of push. And then your left end was okay, not great. And that guy was called your base end, and he would help with the run as well. But your right end was the guy that, you know, left tackles were incredibly valuable because that guy would rush. Mm -hmm. And now this league is, oh, hell, let's put athletic guys in the middle. Because if we collapse collapse the pocket from the internal side, the quarterback has no time. And when you've got Bradbury and Elfline and poor Josh Klein, and they could run block, and and Kubiak's scheme... Probably masked how bad those guys were at times because the zone blocking scheme mm-hmm. works. And I think Kubiak did a great job. We I'm can talk you. all we want about yeah. Stefanski, but Gary Kubiak is my offensive MVP. Um, but that's the difference now, Dukes. 
That's the difference. You're right. So yeah. what so what San Fran did is no surprise, but there's a reason why against the Saints last week Zim put uh, Hunter and Griffin inside. Those guys completely ruined Drew Brees' mm-hmm. day. But that's where the pressure comes from. So you've got to have a line internally that can block those guys. That's tough. So how Not do you fix easy. that? I mean, Bradbury is back as the center. You hope he improves. Elfline, I don't know if he can play. Yeah, I mean, I think you need to find a replacement. I think Elfline's rookie year, and, and he was pretty good. I think, if you recall, he suffered a shoulder injury of some sort he during, did. during that. And, and then he cracked his ankle really badly and had it to was surgery. in the Philadelphia game, right? In the Philadelphia game. Then he missed the entire offseason. Yeah. He missed the first couple he, he weeks of the not, season. He has not been the same guy, same guy since. But I think that's where the Vikings were looking at it, saying... The previous year, right? You know, Pat didn't have an offseason. He was good as a rookie, maybe good as a stretch. Certainly serviceable as a rookie, right at center. Then the next year, yeah, he misses the entire offseason after multiple surgeries. Mm-hmm. Let's give him a pass for his issues last year, but let's move him to guard because he played guard at Ohio State. But now with the body of work from 2019, it's time to move on. You can bring him back as a backup, right? That's fine, but you need to find a replacement. At left guard. I mean, do they have the conversation again about potentially moving Riley Reef inside? Or is Riley Reef with his massive cap number next year? Is Riley Reef back and he's back as your left tackle? I've got to check out his cap number. I mean, Riley year. had a couple hiccups. Uh, Rhodes, during the year. By, by the way, a dead cap for 2020 is $4.8 million. I mean, you need to move on, right? Unless That's he's willing Rhodes to take a significant pay cut, you need to move on from Rhodes. But really, the two tackles are not the issues, right? You can win games with Riley Reef at left tackle and like Brian it. O'Neill at right tackle. I like Brian. And I like Brian a lot. I think he's And I like nice him job. so much at right tackle. And you lay out how yeah. teams have, have pass rushers all across the defensive line. Yep. Right tackle is a big enough deal. Now it is. Where I think O'Neill is so good at right tackle that I'm not messing with that. I want Brian O'Neill to be this team's right tackle for the next five, six, seven years. Dead cap on Reef, uh, who's owed. As a base salary for 2020, $10.9 million. The dead cap on Riley Reef is 4.4. So basically the same as Rhodes. So, but now, now if you've done him, you've done, you've done Rhodes, you've done Reef, you've done Joseph, now we're above $10 million of dead cap money. I mean, you need to be careful though. I mean, who are you bringing in? Can you do better? Much like we've said, can you do better than Mike Zimmer? That's would, why Zimmer is let back. Me, let me back up. Can you up. do better than a lot of those guys? I would agree. With you in saying this, if I am going out and looking to improve right now, which you need to be, I am addressing the interior of my line before the tackles. Yes. Oh, 100%. Which is not to say, yes. that, which is not to say that I wouldn't love to get a big-time Pro Bowl left tackle, but I think the interior, I think where the league has transitioned to, what we've seen is those interior guys now have to be good. Mm-hmm. Now, are you talking two guards? Are you talking replacing Alfine and Josh Klein? What's the Josh Klein money for next year? I am talking. Are you okay with Klein at, at where's he at? Right guard. Yeah, he's at right guard, and I don't love him. All but, right, will you but look at that? That's where I'd look to improve. All right, let's go back to the phone lines. Vikings vent line here on Score North on 1500 on this Sunday morning. Darren Doogie Wolfson, Judd Zolgad, and we now hear from Tom in Wisconsin. Tom, thanks for your patience. Hey, uh, yeah, thanks for taking my call. Uh, yeah, I called last night, but I had my speakerphone on, so I don't have it turned off now. But anyways. Thank you. So, yes, yeah, you're welcome. So, um, if, if, so here's my take. If, if, uh, Spielman is going to stick around, then maybe you do what, um, the 49ers did. And you say, okay, Zimmer, you know, it's your team to build the best defense you possibly can. 
you draft a quarterback, you know, get somebody second to fourth round or something, you try and develop them, you know, as opposed to, you know, these people are saying, well, we don't need to fix that much. You know, we've got to keep Zimmer and, you know, we'll do okay. It's like, that's just mediocrity. And as somebody who's been a Vikings fan since their first Super Bowl, I'm not okay with that. If you can't beat the the Packers or the Bears, it's like, forget it. You know, it's just totally frustrating. So who are you hiring? So if you're firing Tom Mike Zimmer tomorrow or this morning, who are you hiring to replace I, him? I, I got the answer if he'll take it. Kubiak. I mean, he's coached the Super Bowl winning team. He doesn't want it. He doesn't want the stress. Well, I, I, at this point, I think, well, you guys made a point the other day about, um, uh, um, what's his name, the, the linebacker, um, Anthony Barr, mm-hmm. and you know, using his pass rush. Did Zimmer do it? No. He's too rigid. The way he coaches is too rigid. He's not making proper use of the people he has. And he's too loyal to guys like Rhodes that are getting torched. So, All right. I appreciate I, the phone call, Tom. I'll put you on hold. Thanks, Tom. Judd, I would bring back Zim. But it's not like, and we may hear from 10 more people that say it's time to move on. I can't necessarily put up a big-time fight against that take. I'm just saying, me personally, Who is it going to be, though? I would bring back Zim. Who's, and who's going to replace him? And who's doing the hiring? And don't tell me Kevin Stefanski. Well, I mean, that would be, though. If know, they made not, the move, that would be the hire. And there's no way I'm doing that. No, I have no I'd rather I, have, I'm with you. I'd rather have Zim as the head coach. Kevin just got done with his first full year calling plays, okay? I have no idea if he can lead a team. I have no clue if he is. And, and look, as much as I love what Gary brought, Kevin executed Gary's plan. It was Gary's vision. That's his baby. Like, he brought the cousins-friendly toys and gave them to Kevin, and Kevin did a nice job of saying, Kirk, you can play with this one now, or for the most part, not always, that, you know, here's one toy, here's one. T- but for that, then to morph into, well, Kevin Stefanski should coach this team. I'm not buying it. Well, heck, don't undervalue Dennison, the run game coordinator. Yeah, not only the offensive Dennison, line coach, yes. the run game coordinator. Yes. So the success of the run game. And he stepped in. He's got his finger, put it this way, Dennison has his fingerprints on that. Yep. That's not all Stefanski. Right. So don't give, but so I got really tired of, well, just hire Kevin Stefanski. I'm tired of Zim. And Mike, look, I agree with the caller. There's times that Mike does things that frustrate you, but there have also been game plans like the Saints game plan where I'm sorry, it was brilliant. So I can't also sit here and say he never does the right thing because that's absolutely not correct. Is he too loyal at times, probably to players? Absolutely. Absolutely he is. But, yeah, I if we're going to go down the path of fire Mike, then I need to know what you're going to do, who's going to make that, that hire. You know, if they're going to blow out Rick and Mike, do I trust the Wills implicitly to make those hires? No, I don't. No, I, that's why. They're huge football yeah, fans. I mean, that's a large part so of why I, give, I would bring back Mike. You know. Yeah. But, you know, people are going to call in and say, okay, from the second half of the Minneapolis Miracle game on, yep. what have they accomplished? Yep. Lay the egg in Philadelphia. Lay the egg last year, week 17, when you still had a chance and, to make the playoffs against Chicago. And, I find, and they're right. Then you lay an egg yesterday. It's not just that they lost yesterday. They got thoroughly well, destroyed. It's three consecutive years. And here's what bothers me about the la- the end of the last two years. There hasn't seemed to be a whole lot of pushback from that team. That concerns me. Why do they, why do, do they basically just play dead? That Chicago game last year was alarming. You win that game, you're 9-6-1, and one, and you're in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And you rolled over against a team that had nothing to play for and was benching and was sitting guys. 
yesterday. If you lose, you lose. If you lose by a touchdown, you lose. I get it. San Francisco's a really good team. But when you are physically being dominated and looking that bad, and I'll give the defense a little pass because the time of possession was ridiculous. They were gassed. But when you're just getting handled like that, you know, for all of Childress's faults, he, he had the old football saying when, when he got the job here in 2006, and he, he was right, and I do believe that this is the correct way to go about things, Doogie. You know, where did Brad start? The Lions. Steve Hutchinson cost them a fortune, but why did they sign Steve Hutchinson? Because he looked at the line and said, this line is not good enough, and we are going to sign an, an eventual Hall of Fame guard, because Steve is going to be at some point. Um, and that's, wh- that's why, with what Rick and Mike have done, thinking that they can get away with being sort of frugal with, with the line, confuses me. Football people don't ordinarily think that. And I also think the Vikings have a little bit and this is not across the board, but I do think that there's a little bit of problem with how they value positions. Was it frugal, though, or are they just some miscalculation, right? No, Maybe think, Bradbury turns no, out to be good, no, I think but Rick he is, wasn't good in his rookie year. No, I think Rick Riley Reef was a first-round pick. They paid him, right? right but Brown he, O'Neill was a second-round pick. I think that there's some we think we can be smart here. Hmm. And, and you know what? At wide receiver, maybe it can be. At line, I'm paying people. All right, one more hour to go. Linda, RJ, Miguel, and Nick, we will get to you right after Miguel! a quick break. It is Vikings Vent Line on this Sunday morning. Darren Doogie Wolfson, Judd Zolgad, back after a quick break. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. Vikings fans, get it off your chest and get it on the air. Your comments, questions, your thoughts. Tweet us at Score North or call 651-646-8255. This is Vikings Vent Line. Cousins fires over the middle and it's intercepted at the 40-yard line by Richard Sherman. Two, the ground again. Touchdown. Tevin Coleman takes it in. Angler kick. Whoop. Juggled. Lost. Sherrills loses it. And recovered by the 49ers. I definitely get the sense that Al Michaels had the Niners minus seven. If you're a fan of the purple, yesterday was a bad day. I'm not quite sure if it was worse for the Ravens. Or the Vikings. Judd, you know what yesterday oh, the, felt the, like? The Ravens, for sure. Yeah, probably. If you're the one seed Laid and you get embarrassed at home. Egg, yes. Yeah, you're right. You know what yesterday felt like? What's that? Twins-Yankees. Yeah, that's fair. Right? I mean, that was Twins-Yankees all over again. Yep. Yep, that's very fair. All right. Twins-Yankees. You know what th- this year has been now? Well, not this year, but 2019. It's been the year of of crushed hope. Twins, the Gopher Badger game still does not sit well with me. The Auburn win was nice, but man, please don't remind me. You had your chance there, and you got. And here's the problem with the Badger game and the Niners game: you just got schooled. Mm-hmm. You just got taken to school. It's one thing, and I know you know what Blair Walsh missed field goal hurts like hell. But should have won that game. Missed the chance hurts, but but you didn't get schooled. The Badgers and Paul Christ. And Kyle Shanahan and the Niners just took you to football class and slapped you. Just physically slapped you around. And it's just when hopes are raised, right? Correct. In this case, the Vikings win in New Orleans. Penn State. 
Yeah, whether it was Penn State or even you lose a competitive game in Iowa City, but then you rebound right. in a big way in Evanston. Right, and you, you have the Badgers on your home field. And the Iowa game, you didn't play well. I completely get that, but it's a road game, and you were going to lose a game. Like, you'd be like, oh, Gopher should have been undefeated. No, that's not really how life works. I understand that. You beat Penn State. That was a really nice win. But but it's it's how you lose, Dukes. And I know that we hate the heartbreak because we've got so much here and those heartbreaking losses that rip your guts out. I, I, I get all that. And But when you just get, as the football, football-y people say, a team imposes its will on you. Badgers impose their will on the Gophers. The Niners impose their will. On the Vikings. 100%. Linda, RJ, Terrence, Miguel, Nick. Miguel, I promise we will get to you in one second, but we do have some breaking news. The NFL Network reports, specifically Ian Rappaport, that Kevin Stefanski is the new head coach in Cleveland. Oh, i got to put Kevin that on, Stefanski put that on our gets website. the Browns job. Yeah, see if you can multitask, which is frightening. Of course I can multitask. Yeah, attempt to multitask. When it comes to sports, life, I can't do that. So yeah, at Don, Don will tell you that. Sources, I'm reading the tweet. The Browns are planning to hire Vikings OC Kevin Stefanski as their new head coach. Runner-up last year, winner this year. Quickly, Judd, I would make Clint Kubiak the favorite to be the new OC. You elevate Gary's kid from quarterback's coach to OC, then you keep Gary. So that's the way I see it happening. Do you think there's any way that Gary decides it's been fun and I'm going to go home and then you hire Pat Shermer? Oh, I think there's a chance. I mean, I can't tell you exactly how Gary's feeling. I think you're right. But I think Gary had fun this year. And I think being out of the spotlight, he really enjoyed that. If he knows that his son is getting elevated, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm telling you, if I was making betting lines, sure, would Pat Shermer maybe even be number two? Yeah. You know, I might make Clint Kubiak, I don't know, plus 150. Maybe Pat Shermer would be plus 300, something like that. But yeah, I do think Clint Kubiak would be the betting favorite. All right, back to the phone lines we go. Longtime friend, Miguel, hello. Hey, fellas, how's it going? What's up? I haven't heard from you in forever. Because, Well, you know, that I let that team play itself out. And and the reason when I had made that statement uh, early in the year and I thought they would only get to maybe seven or nine wins at the most, and they ended up being a playoff team and winning the game, which was was fun. It was great for the city. But the, the issue was when you look deep into their schedule, uh, sure, they beat Dallas and Philadelphia. And, and uh, I mean, but that division was horrible. Um, outside those two teams, though, they didn't beat any team over 500. I mean, they lost to Chicago twice. Correct. Uh, they were looking very bad against Denver at one point. So this team didn't even beat a team that was over 500 this year. Well, Philadelphia, um, right? Philly? Yeah. Yeah. But, but, I mean, that team was horrible at, and and proved to be itself. I mean, mm-hmm. I get your point. You're right. Yeah, no, I get your point. Right. So this team doesn't have an identity, right? When you look at some of these really, when you look at a really good franchise and organization, there's a, there's somebody or something that is their calling card. We haven't had that under Zimmer really. You don't think uh, the run was game was the calling card this year? Just to play devil's advocate, Miguel, you don't think their identity was that of a run first, well, out physical you, out tough you team? It didn't come to fruition yesterday, one, but I think that was their identity. But Doogie, the problem with that is that we don't have a consistent identity, right? Or that guy. Mm-hmm. Like when Brett Favre came in 09, this team was Adrian, Adrian, Adrian. But when he came in, there was a guy. When, you know what I'm saying? Or when you bring in a coach and you're talking about if you get rid of him, how about Jim Caldwell or Eric B. Enemy? What would be wrong with that? Caldwell didn't even have any help with the organization in Detroit. Could you imagine if he had help? I mean, 
this thing is, is they're in trouble, like you guys alluded to, because they have had no plan. They've been just trying to tread. They haven't been building anything. And granted, since Zimmer got here, it's been kind of hectic. Think about the Teddy thing. They're outside and all kinds of stuff. But this franchise needs to get, they need to get a hold of themselves. Um, my fear is that it's going to be another three years of this at least. And that's the Spillman, Zimmer, and Cousins. They're, they're, it looks like they'll be here because there is no plan moving forward. And then they're going to be stuck because they're too stubborn to actually, like you guys also alluded to, you have to build from within. This team has got old where it counts, or they don't have talent where it counts, and that's up front. I will pose this question. Do you believe that Kirk Cousins in Chicago would make Chicago a perennial Super Bowl team? Hmm. I'll put you on hold, Miguel, so we can get to a bunch of calls. Thanks, Miguel. Would Kirk Cousins, no. as the Bears quarterback, make them a perennial no. Super Bowl team? Perennial. Probably not. No. Nope. Improvement on Trubisky, and um, he would certainly help them, I think, from where Mitch is, because Mitch is just a, a lost puppy. But uh, perennial Super Bowl team, no. I love Miguel, right? I mean, Miguel brings him. Miguel is oh, passionate. Miguel knows his stuff. He's one of the best I calls. Him. I just said that. I missed him. Yeah, in Twin City Sports Talk Radio history. Hall of Famer. That's not any sort of like heat of the moment. Like, I've thought that Miguel is genius. I hear Miguel. I really do. I hear Miguel more than a lot. I just, I don't know how you completely tear it down. In his words, get a hold of this thing. Right? That's why I just think more likely than not, we continue to see the foundation that is in play. So Zimmer is back next year. Cousins is back. Mm-hmm. Spielman is back. Yep. They attempt to make some tweaks and make another run at this thing. We will not see any sort of wholesale changes outside of now the news that they need to replace their play caller because Kevin Stefanski is the new head coach in Cleveland. Fifth offensive coordinator in five years, correct? Yeah. Now that you lay it out like that, yeah, right? Yeah, is it five? Yeah, Nor De Filippo in Stefanski, Shermer. Did Shermer have a two year run or was it a one year run? He he was and then Turner had quit. Yeah. It was one and a half years, yep. right? Yep. So yeah. And then yeah, you count the new hire. So yeah. I think, I think you're, you're I think you're right. Five and five years. I think you're right. I I think it's gonna be Clint Kubiak and Gary's gonna stay. Nick, welcome to Vikings Vent Line. Hi Nick. Hello. Hi. Hi, Nick in Hello. California. Oh, yes. Hi, Judd. Hi, Doogie. How are you guys doing? Doing okay, Nick. Thanks for calling. Hey, good. Hey, I'll just uh, be really brief. Here's why we need to make a change at GM. So how many years do we see this team get dominated at the line of scrimmage in a playoff game and lose in that sort of fashion? And how many years has the offensive line been uh, an issue? And at what point do we say, hey, look, does Spielman even, can he be trusted to bring in the right personnel on the offensive line? And it's not so much the busts that he's brought in, you know, guys that have not worked out. It's the fact that he's mismatched undersized interior linemen uh, with a stationary quarterback, coupled with the fact that we're in a division with teams that have big defensive fronts that got to Kirk this year, case in point, the two Packer games, the Bears game, and here we have the 49ers game. So it's almost as though it's not so much that they're just trying to band-aid it together. Yes, they are. But I don't think he has the foresight or the capability to bring in the right people to win these matchups against better defensive fronts. And until we get some different scouts in there, some different people in there, the story is going to repeat itself. You know, you get a guy like Kirk Cousins, 
you need the Dallas Cowboys line from 93 or something close to it if you want to go in there and you truly want to win a Super Bowl. Otherwise, you go up against a good front, it's going to be the same story. Uh, I'll hang up and listen. Thanks, guys. All right, thank you, Nick. I don't necessarily disagree. Who are those guards? I mean, Bradbury is back next year as the starting center, so you're looking at the two guard spots. Yes. Well, yeah, and you're not going to go get two great ones, but if you could get a... And are you drafting a guard in the first round? I mean, you probably need to draft a corner. No. People uh, don't want to hear that, but Wayne's likely gone. Alexander, likely gone. You need to draft a cornerback in the first round. I think you need to definitely upgrade from Elfline for sure. If you can from Klein, that's fine. But we're, and we're not talking about names where you say, oh, I've heard of that guy. I love that guy. You probably haven't heard of these guys, but there are people that would be upgrades. Uh, no, I would say the drafting priorities, if I, if I was to sit down right now and prioritize where they might go first round, and fans are not going to like this, but cornerback will be one. They, they're going to need help there. And, and now if you want to explore the two of potential type, that type of trade, and it's going to cost you a lot, but to go up, Quarterback would intrigue me for sure, but that would be going in a very different direction. I, given the fact that the head coach is sixty three, given the fact that Spielman, I, I'm pretty sure probably thinks that this team can win now. If you had to, if I had to place a bet right now, I say they probably draft a cornerback. I say Wayne's, Wayne's is gone. I think he walks. Alexander probably walks. Rhodes is probably cut. And and if he's not cut, he takes a contract restructure and can't be relied upon. You are talking about, and now do you trust Holton Hill? If Holton Hill gets one more suspension, I think it's for a year now. Well, I mean, I think you need so, to. As like well, I think you bring him. Three I think you bring him back. Four. But what I, but I don't think that you can say Holton Hill is now a starter, and we think he, nothing is going to go wrong. They like Chris Boyd. Okay, not that he's your number three instantly, but they do like his potential. And I don't think they're going to take. I don't think they're going to take an old lineman in the first round back to back years. And I don't think you can take a guard that high. I think you're right. Without I totally think number reaching. one would be cornerback. All right, back to the phone lines we go. RJ in White Bear Lake, welcome to Vikings Vent Line. Hi, RJ. Good morning. Good morning, Sports Dad. Good morning, Doogie. Good, Good morning, RJ. Um, gosh, you know, I'm really happy for Kevin Stefanski, but my condolences go to the people of Cleveland and Cleveland Browns fans. Because um, based on what we saw yesterday, I know San Fran's defense is fantastic, but... I mean, that cannot be encouraging if you're Baker Mayfield watching that game and then being like, all right, well, this guy's going to be my head coach now. You know, it's that kind of like that guy from uh, with Kevin Bacon in Animal House standing in the street while the stampede's going on, yelling <laughs> all as well. Just love it. No, just not going well. And uh, uh, Judd said the magic word uh, that, that prompted me to call, uh, call in a little while ago, and that was stuck. Um, they are stuck. They are, used it too. Uh, they, are, they are wild west. Yeah, I mean it's uh, middle they're, purgatory. They're the, yeah. yeah, they are the they are the wild of Minneapolis now. Mm-hmm. Um, the state of football. Con- they have, yeah, they have uh, you know they have contracts that um, are that they just simply can't move on guys that are past their prime. I think uh, last week against New Orleans was as good as they're capable of playing. Um, last year against Philly was as bad as they're capable of playing. And then you know games like yesterday, it's like that's 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 just who they are. They're not talented enough um, across the board. Yeah, they have some top-end talent, but they're just not talented enough where it matters to overcome the kind of circumstances like they encountered yesterday. And um, and I don't think a coaching change is going to make a, a, that big of a difference. That's, and, you know, I love Zimmer. I think in some cases this team has won uh, despite him. Um, I think in other cases he's dragged uh, the lack of talent across the finish line. Um, 
same situation with the Wild. You know, you hear the same sound bites from Boudreaux every few nights about, oh, you can't just keep missing chances, guys. You can't just keep, you know, whiffing on pucks and all those kinds of things. you got to finish. Um, and this team, I just don't think, has the ability to finish. Um, I think the only coach that would be uh, suitable to uh, to replace Zimmer with, uh, with the kind of mindset this, that this team has is, Right, he went into Baltimore and beat the Ravens last night. Um, how happy do you think Titans ownership is right now, hitting on Mike Vrabel? Holy moly! Sure, like that guy is—he's uh, a—he's uh, going to be a heck of a coach, and I think uh, I think he's going to be their guy for a while because he's a tough sob, and that team is full of tough uh, tough sobs. Um, so I mean, that's all I got for you guys this morning. I appreciate it, Doogie. You're the best at what you do. I appreciate um, it, RJ. So Thank yeah, you. Yeah, you guys have a good you guys have a good Sunday. You too. See I mean, you, I think Zimmer has some tough sob be to him oh yeah may not always translate through his players in seattle yesterday you know when talking about the run defense but i do think zim has some some tough sob to him how about this by the way Mm -hmm. so stefanski is the head coach in cleveland what about george payton finally jumping making the move vikings assistant general manager ascending finally to a team's general manager position. Yep. I mean, he's had the opportunity. He has Cleveland's turned down do, some interviews. And Cleveland's going, going to do exactly that now. Yeah, they're With looking Stefanski for a GM. Hired, they're now going to hire a GM, which I absolutely He's hate. not a household name. I mean, a lot of Vikings fans have no idea who George Payton is. Mm-hmm. But he's been instrumental behind the scenes. I mean, assistant general manager, all sorts of responsibilities. He should be some team's general manager, but now that... His guy, a guy that he knows incredibly well, is the head coach in Cleveland. What about that idea? If, George Payton. So could the Vikings end up losing not only their OC, but their assistant general manager? Who's been Rick's right-hand guy for mm-hmm. a long, long time. Here's why I think the answer, it makes perfect sense, um, but I think the answer is no. George has turned down opportunities previously to in- interview for jobs. He's turned down opportunities that appear to be there. I believe he came very close to getting the San Francisco job before he did. Uh, John Lynch got mm-hmm. that job. But he had an opportunity, I think, with the Rams. I want to say there was one out in New York, maybe with the Jets. Yeah, I think he turned down that, the chance that to interview for the Jets job. But a lot of people thought if he had interviewed, Kevin he was Ste- getting that job. And he and Stefanski might be close, but here's why I think he doesn't do it. There is no way I'm working for the Browns <laughs> or Jimmy Haslam. Yeah. They have no idea what they're doing. Yeah, And, and I, I honestly, this is the... And I don't blame Stefanski one bit, but this is this and the Jets are the worst jobs. And their organizations are horribly run. They're inept. They're dumb. They're impulsive. They're everything that a guy like George Payton has said no to previously. And you got to think that if we were to do a, a pie chart of potential success right now and failure, the odds that Kevin Stefanski survives three years in Cleveland are probably 25%. Like this is going to yeah. at some too, point though, right? Many, with all that talent, at some point somebody is going to figure it out there. Except they, except I believe that much like the Jets are now, and this doesn't start with the team. It starts with the people that own the team. The Jets and Browns are so into self sabotage that I don't know that that success is allowed. Hmm. I mean, it's how Wolves fans think about Glenn Taylor, yeah, running things, right? Yeah, they want Glenn to sell. But I think the level, I think the level of dysfunction with with the Jets' ownership and the Haslam's in Cleveland is higher than Glenn Taylor. The Wolves, I think, I think you could accuse the Wolves of more ineptitude at times and and being a, a, a comedy of sorts. Not now, probably, but previously at times, at times, not not consistently. Um, 
But Stefanski, I don't blame him, but if I'm George, I say, Kevin, best of luck. Seriously, I yeah. I couldn't do it. I couldn't go. I couldn't go to a team that has the track record of. And the problem with the Browns is they don't just make missteps; they ruin people. Mike Patton was head coach there. He, he's now a D coordinator of the Packers. At Mike Patton's introductory press conference in Green Bay, he said, "I will never be a head coach again. I don't want any part of it. I don't like it." The Cleveland Browns took one of Mike Patton's probably boyhood dreams, lifelong dreams, right? These guys look to be head coaches their whole life. Head coach. Yeah, and they ruined it. And they Not and, for Shermer. And they sucked the life out of him. Yeah, they do. So anyway. You're right. I mean, the fact that George really George, likes it here. I'm not doing it. And he's turned down other opportunities. Yeah, I mean, you just laid out the case. You do not go to that franchise, the Cleveland Browns. But yeah, Kevin Stefanski, the new head coach in Cleveland. All right, let's continue with the calls here on Vikings Ventline on this Sunday morning, the 12th of January. It is Score North on 1500, scorenorth.com. It's the TCL Broadcast Studios. On this Sunday morning, 11.23 here in the Twin Cities, Darren Doogie Wolfson, Judd Zolgad, and it's our good friend, Linda, in Wyoming. Good morning, Linda. Good morning. Hey, thanks for coming in, guys. You're two of the, my favorite. Uh, when I want to know some news about sports, I go to, to you, Doogie, and Judd. So Thank you, Linda. Thank Your you. check is in the mail. Yeah, okay. No, hey, I want to tie the Stefanski leave in, and you're saying Clint... You know, Kubiak being offensive coordinator into the point I was going to make. Being in Wyoming, I watched for years the Broncos with the zone blocking scheme, you know, the run game. They could plug anybody in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and Terrell Davis, he'd get hurt. They'd plug anybody in. And that's all it was. It's a zone blocking scheme. And my understanding of the zone blocking scheme was you wanted, yeah, yeah, stout offensive lineman, but you wanted quick, fast, being able to move. The difference I see between the Vikings trying to run that under Kubiak this year is Denver had John Elway. The Vikings have Kirk Cousins. <laughs> and on a scale of 1 to 10, Elway's 10 with his quarterback skills. Cousins is 5 to 7, depending on the day. I, you know, and I, and I think that this, that, that Elway could pass from the pocket. He could roll out. You know, he just, he had more skills than what Cousins has. And I think the Cousins skills right now don't match what I see and understand that zone blocking scheme to do. So if you put Clint Kubiak in there, mm-hmm. I think he takes a look at this is what Cousins can do. And this is how this scheme can help him do what he, what he can do. I mean, Elway could run run any of it, and I think that's going to Hall make him a much more cons- consistent quarterback. He's not up one time and down the other. So I like the idea. That's the guy I would go with. You know, over Shermer, put him in there. I, I hadn't even thought about that until you mentioned that and and that. So that's just my opinion on that zone blocking scheme. And I think the line for the for the Vikings right now is not a pure zone blocking line versus the big stout line that gives the protection. I think they've got to make some changes there to make it work. All right. Thank you, Linda. Always appreciate Linda in Wyoming. I mean, Elway is a Hall of Famer. I think she's right, though. Depending on the day, Cousins is somewhere in that five to seven range. Yeah, that's fair. Sure. Could Elway pass from the pocket? Yes. Cousins, not so much. And that's why San Francisco dominated yesterday. They took away the bootleg game. 
Yep. You know, it started with controlling the run game. The Vikings had one run yesterday yep. of more than four yards. One. That was it. So, uh, San Francisco yesterday perfected what the Packers did uh, twice against the Vikings and go back to the Week 2 game in Green Bay. And that's a tutorial if you have the personnel stop Kirk. Mm-hmm. You take away the run game first. You run, you run a guy at Kirk. Because then he panics. Like, there are things that you can do to get to Kirk. Yes, or week four in Chicago. Think about the week four game at Soldier. Now, the issue is not every team has the personnel defensively to do that. So it's great to talk about it. But if you can't accomplish it, Kirk will beat you. He can beat you. And Dalvin Cook will beat you. Uh, But San Francisco has the athletes. They've um, They've got the system, the scheme. And here's the other thing that I loved about that team. And how many teams in the NFL today, don't do this well. How well did they tackle? And I know it just seems small. Oh, yeah, it's tackling now. But think about the amount of whiffs on tackles now. Think about the amount of when San Francisco Well, the Vikings got Dalvin, missed some. I mean, Eric Wilson had yeah, his share of missed tackles but the Saints, yesterday. But Dal- Dalvin, Dalvin was gouging in, in the first half of the game last week. Dalvin was gouging the Saints just like San Francisco consistently gouged the Vikings on Saturday. Dalvin was getting eight yards, six yards, eight yards, and he was carrying guys. And you're like, just bring him down. And I know it's not simple, but San Francisco just brought him down. So what you're saying is it's very much a matchup league. Absolutely. That if somehow Seattle wins that game week 17 and the 49ers are the five seed, Mm -hmm. not the one seed. Well, and Seattle darn near won that game. You're I know. Right, I mean, right. inches on the doorstep. Maybe we're talking about the Vikings potentially still being alive. I mean, really, it just it comes down to in so many different ways the matchup and yeah. the Vikings and Niners. Even though I yeah. thought it would be competitive, I told a lot of people you take the Vikings in the points. I did think the Niners would win, but a close game. But it's entirely possible the Vikings and the Niners could play ten times. Maybe the Vikings win once. It's just a really bad matchup. And Green Bay is too defensively. Defensively, Green Bay it, Green Bay's defense for them is a great matchup against this current Vikings offense. Agree. Although I still look but at the Green Niners Bay, are a better team, and who knows? Maybe maybe the Packers win today and they win next Sunday at San Francisco. But I can't like sit here and look at the Packers and say they are markedly better than the Vikings. They're not. They're not. And the and the incredible part about the Packer discussion this year, at least Dukes, and how long has it been since this was the discussion? The incredible thing is when you talked about Vikings Packers. It was not Rodgers. It had nothing to do with the Packers' offense. It was Zadarius Smith and that defense. That's what gave you nightmares. It wasn't Rodgers at all. It wasn't. It wasn't even close. Think about George Kittle yesterday. When it really mattered, yes. he had one catch. Finishes with three catches. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you had told me that the Vikings would completely control George Kittle, yep, that Garoppolo would, for the most part, actually just be Garoppolo, not... You know, yeah, potentially Pro Bowl Garoppolo. He's not great, no. And that the Vikings would lose by 17, I would have told you you were nuts. Well, as Collar pointed out on the post-game Purple podcast that we did, and he's exactly right, the Seattle and San Francisco, San Francisco games had something in common, too, which is if you run against that defense and you hold the ball, which both teams did, you wear them down. Mm-hmm. And I can't blame them for that. They get tired. You know, you're out there constantly. San Francisco had the ball all the time. And so now Coleman's getting four yards. And now they're starting to tire. So now it's six yards. And then it's eight yards, right? They ran the ball 29 times in the second half. Yes. 
I mean, you had it last hour, but it is unbelievable that the 49ers had more running plays than the Vikings had plays total. So the 49ers ran the ball yesterday 47 times. The Vikings passes and runs a total of 45 plays. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> it's remarkable. All right, back to the phone lines we go here on Vikings Ventline on this Sunday morning. We appreciate his patience. It's Terrence in Burnsville. Good morning, Terrence. Good morning, Doogie and Judd. Okay, I'm. You know, you could call this a spoof when I'm about to tell you, but just hang with me. You'll like it. Uh, you know that the Wilts uh, every morning when they get up, the first thing they do is they go and they kiss uh, the ring of Wellington Mara. They have a statue in their bedroom. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so what you do is you get you stay with that theme and you, you hire Coughlin as your GM. Okay, Parcells you know, too. You, yeah, keep you going, Coughlin. Yeah. Go ahead. You with me so far? Yep. You've got right. Tom Coughlin, but you need to hire Bill Parcells too, right? Convince him to come no, out of retirement. You, no, no, no. You do. You keep looking block. Yeah. And uh, take it from there. Yeah, I know there's going to be a bunch of defensive turnover, a bunch of guys moving on. Uh, but you know, in today's uh, NFL, you can get them in via via free agency or whatever. So, what do you guys think? Well, yeah. I mean, you're right, Terrence. I mean, minimum. You need to find a left guard. The start was funny. I am I am not going anywhere near Tom Coughlin, um, <laughs> but he's right about the Giants' love. I mean they they do oh, yes. they do look at the Maras and the Tishes and basically say that that should be us. Mm-hmm. We want that. I mean Ziggy has told stories of the family having season tickets to Giants games at Yankee Stadium and like watching Tarkington play. And I think Mark I think Mark said that he got in on, on the, the last year of the games there before. They moved to Jersey, so, uh, and I know that they're enamored with Parcells, and they love the fact that Zimmer talks to Bill a lot. But all that being said, I am not going anywhere near a guy like Tom Coughlin. No, 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 no. That's a, that is a surefire way to get people not to want to play anywhere near your uh, team. Yeah, I mean, just look at what just took place in Jacksonville. But yeah, I mean, Terrence is right that you need to replace at least one guard. And potentially Josh Klein as well. And you're right, Judd. I mean, we talked about this 30 minutes ago or so, that we don't have the names necessarily, whether it's, you know, a draft-eligible guy or somebody that hits the market. We just we don't do deep dives on... We will maybe in March, but we don't right now. You know, we're not doing these deep dives on, on the free agent guard class. But mm-hmm. those guys are out there. It's, it's on the front office to find those guys. But, yeah, absolutely, those guys are out there. So, yeah, I mean, minimum you need one guard. Potentially two guards. Yeah. And you know what? If you want to bring somebody in to create some competition at the center position, fine. Absolutely. I mean, I get it. He's a first-round pick. And he had a couple moments, but in totality, I mean, Bradbury, for being a first-round pick, that was a disappointing rookie year. One thing that you can't have in in 2020, because if you do, it's a surefire way for problems. And and much like the Twins, who, who have ignored this, of course, much like the Twins were shown the gift of their weaknesses by how much the Yankees pounded them, both in the July series here and then, of course, in the three-game playoff, Dukes. You have seen now where this league has shifted as far as interior pressure goes. So if you show up next year and like, ah, it'll be fine, you're crazy. <laughs> Kirk, Kirk Cousins has no chance. And listen, we can bash Kirk. We can say he should be able to run more. He should be able to be more or have pocket presence. He, he does not. But all of those things don't matter. He's going into last year of his contract. He is now, what, seven years into his career, eight years in, mm-hmm. well into his career. He's not changing. 
He's not going to become this great, oh, man, now he feels pressure. And interior pressure, when the Packers showed it, when the Niners showed it, as you said, Atlanta showed it, right? When you get that interior pressure, it causes guys like Drew Brees to struggle. So think about what it does to Kirk Cousins. Mike in Burnsville, good morning. Hey, guys. Judd, I was a little bit disappointed uh, with you starting with the vent line last Monday as a 50-something Minnesota sports fan. I could sense that you were drinking the Kool-Aid, and I just wanted to come down there and shake you and you should have. snap you out of you it. You should have done it. I mean, that game yesterday was 100% not going to go any other way than it did. The same, I, I just think the wow. same game was a sports anomaly, anomaly <laughs> and that, that happens in sports, and... Sometimes those things just happen. But, but weren't you impressed by the game plan? Well, weren't you impressed by what they did? Weren't, I mean, didn't you take any sign of that? Because this should be a good team. I was very happy exactly. they won, but I but I knew, okay. And I, and I even said it. I said the 49ers running game was going to kill the Vikings. And right. that's exactly what Well, happened. you were right, Mike. But based on, in your words, the anomaly we saw last Sunday in New Orleans, why couldn't another anomaly have taken place Yesterday in Santa Clara. Because that's the meaning of an anomaly. It doesn't happen that often. But it happens. Well, I mean, it, it, the other thing is I I just used to be devastated after Vikings play a loss, and now it's just so expected I feel nothing. There's, And I think there's no answers. <laughs> you're of how you're to dead get inside, Mike. Uh, there's no answers of how to get better and just accept what they are. I mean, they're an average to good franchise that, that can't win big games. And then, by the way, the next time I hear anyone under 30 call your station, and I listen every day. Thank you. At work, the next time I hear anyone under thirty call your station and go, "Oh, this is the we can beat the Yankees." The nineteen cent doesn't matter. Join, join, join the bus, people. Board on. This is what it is. <laughs> oh, the Vikings. Just because what happened in the past happened, that doesn't matter. Shut up. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. It is amazing that it's been. Is it 33 years? 1987 was the last time the Vikings won multiple playoff games. Yes, 87 when they beat um, the Saints, the Niners, and then the Darren Nelson game, the drop and or slight throw by Wade. They can't lose. I mean, they have, but there are so many examples where they just don't lose in a normal way, right? Whether it's Darren Nelson, whether it's you know Gary Anderson in the knee, whether it's... You know, 41 donut, and Randy Moss can't get his buddies on the field pregame, and it just spirals out of control from there. You know, whether it's 38-7 in Philadelphia, whether it's yesterday, right? Or it's heartbreak, right? Blair Walsh. You know, yeah, and, and I know the heartbreak. Nine in New and I know the heartbreak is tough. To I guess take. the Gary Anderson game was a heartbreak. But at least they, you just, were close. they don't lose typically in just a normal way. Hey, on Mike's point, though, the one thing that I, I will say that. When we started Ventline last Monday after the Saints game on Sunday, the one thing that I kept saying too, though, that impressed me was one, the game plan was masterful against the Saints. And two, the thing about that game on Sunday, Dukes, was it didn't feel like a fluke. The Minneapolis Miracle was a fluke. You blew a 17 nothing lead. You got done. You, they, they took a lead in the second half and you got, it's called a miracle for a reason. The Saints safety whiffs on digs. There's nothing but green in front of him. And so that felt all that felt far more fluky, like, oh boy, that was how'd you get that one? 
Um, the Sunday game against the Saints at the Superdome impressed me. Both teams made mistakes. Both teams got some breaks. But there was no one defining thing where I said, well, that was, uh, you know, no call where where there, there was a P.I. called against the Saints where you said that's a huge break. There was no, there was nothing that seemed fluky to me about that game. So it's hard for me to sit here and say, well, now I think they're going to go to San Francisco and get pounded. Because I didn't feel that way. I didn't feel that way either. I didn't feel, and and... And I thought, I mean, power rankings-wise heading into the postseason, I had New Orleans number one in the NFC. And I'm about Mike's age, So that win last Sunday, and because there wasn't a whole lot of fluke, I don't think there was any fluke to that win in New Orleans last Sunday. Yeah, I thought, once you knock off, in my mind, the number one power ranking-wise team in the NFC, once you knock them off in their building... Yep. You know, you're you're rolling at that point. So I thought yesterday would be competitive. I did. I'm about Mike's age, it sounds like. And and I get where he's coming from with because I've got this too with the um, fatalistic feeling and pessimism, but you know there comes a time like when you beat the Saints like that where you say, well, perhaps this team because they're good, mm-hmm. they're on a roll. I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, I, I have seen the Twins win two World Series. All right, so it's possible. Things are possible. I'm not saying they're likely. They're possible. And you know, the Twins didn't lose to the Yankees because of history. They lost to the Yankees because they started an Uber driver in game two. Well, they also couldn't hit. And they couldn't hit. But that's but but they didn't lose to them because of the ghosts of Michael Kadire and uh Morneau and Maurer. They lost to him, but yeah, because they because they couldn't hit. Baseball <clears throat> changed the baseball. And because they started an Uber <laughs> driver in game two. You know, the this is why. I don't think it mattered if Dobnak started game two or not. They were still losing in three games. They could have started Odorizzi in game two. No, but they didn't. Whoever but my point is they, didn't, they were losing but, but my, three games. But to my zero. point is they didn't have Mad Bum to start game one or two, which is what they should have done because they should have made a trade. So what you're saying though is looking at the way the offseason has unfolded, they really haven't learned any lessons. They have learned no lessons. And what I'm saying is if you go to training camp in Egan in July with Elfline, Bradbury, and Klein, then the purple has learned nothing. John agree. John in Manhattan, thank you for your patience. John. Good morning, fellas. What's Good up, morning, John. John. Uh, first of all, I called in, what was it, Thursday, Judd, and I said, yeah. you can't take away the Saints game. It was fun, but they weren't going to win this game. Yeah, uh, and, you know, that's, I went in to every single game after watching last year's 8-7-1. and one. I went into every single game this year, and I didn't have the same fire as a fan as I have with previous teams because I never trust that in the big situations the quarterback's going to be able to rally the team. Sure, he did it against Denver. Sure, in overtime, he put together one nice drive, but that also was helped by a Dalvin run. This is the thing. I said it last week. I'll say it again. I hope to God they don't extend the guy. I hope they go out. I hope this is the game where, yes, we, we won a playoff game with the guy, but he's not the quarterback to get you over the hump. Mike Zimmer might not be the coach to get you over the hump, but he is definitely not the quarterback uh, and 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 it's we'll see what happens. But again, with firing the coach, here's my question to you guys: Would you fire the guy who everybody wants to play for if you're gonna do a rebuild, or would you rather keep the guy, instill whatever culture you want to instill, and then bring in the new guy to take those guys over the hump? And I mean, maybe, and then you give Mike Zimmer the option to say, hey. You're a good dude. Would you want to stick around for a potential rebuild here? Uh, or 
do you want to go find somewhere that you can maybe plug and try to win again? Uh, that's what I would do. And then the last thing about the draft is I hope they don't draft a cornerback in the first round, and this is why. What have we talked about all year, and then they did against the Saints, but everybody could beat the Vikings? Interior pass rush. Look at the guy who the Titans drafted one pick after we took Bradbury, the defensive tackle who took over the game yesterday. Mm-hmm. And Lamar Jackson, even Lamar Jackson, the running quarterback, couldn't get away from the interior pass rush. It is what wins games. If Sharif Floyd hadn't have gotten hurt, who knows what would have happened with the team. They have to find a three-tech who can get after the passer, and that's going to make the secondary look better. Thanks, John. John, good call. Yeah, I don't disagree with I him. I think Odenabo. Yeah, I don't disagree. <clears throat> Odenabo might have some of that in him, though. Yeah, he might. I just... here. Here's the question, though. <laughs> if you don't take a corner in the first round... Now, maybe you can grab one in the second round, but I get very scared of the old Asher Allen, Marcus McCauley, Josh Robinson will find one in the third round corner thing. Mm-hmm. Again, if you lose Alexander, if you lose Waynes, I'm assuming that you will purposely lose Rhodes. Holton Hill, you're going to bring back, but I don't think you can trust him. You can't. You can't just. You need three. You need three starting corners. And oh, by the way, Mike Hughes is coming off another injury. Yes, exactly. So even though he's one of your top guys, I mean, can you really Jeffrey rely Simmons upon Mike player. Hughes? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. No. You can't. No. You can't. He's two for two now. It's like Dalvin. I love Dalvin Cook, but if you ask me right now, is he playing 16 games in 2020? You're crazy. No, of course he's not. Doesn't play. Doesn't play 16 games. He's gonna get hurt. Gonna try and play, but he's gonna get hurt. All right, let's roll through at least three more calls before we are done. Vikings vent line here on Score North on 1500 ScoreNorth.com. It's 11:43 on this Sunday morning, the 12th of January. It's Darren Doogie Wolfson. It's Judd Zolgad, and it's Stan in St. Paul. Good morning, Stan. Good morning. Judd, stop talking about drafting a cornerback in the first round. Sorry. Sorry. Look, the most expensive. It might happen, though, Stan. I'm telling you, it might happen. It might be another mistake. The most expensive player on the team is your quarterback, who obviously needs help. We've done the cornerback. We've done this draft at first round cornerback now for how many years? It hasn't worked. Get offensive line help. I'm just so sick. Don't of the you have last to get that off the market? Years. Don't don't don't. You, I'm very leery about about thinking that you can plug in drafted linemen who don't probably come in the top ten. I, I think you need to free up cap space to sign guys on the market who are established veterans. Not saying that they're Pro Bowl players, but that's where I would get that help. Yeah, if you want to do a plug-and-play and you think you can win a Super Bowl, but if you want to build for the future, and if you don't think Cousins is your guy for the future, you gotta you got to start with linemen and, and, and at a young... Now, Elfline did not work. I don't know what the problem there is, but it just has to be a point of, of emphasis. I mean, enough on the cornerback thing. Those guys, I don't... We, we're just not having luck there. All right, thanks for the call, Stan. We want to roll through a bunch. I mean, if you don't know on Cousins, though, I mean, you're looking at, at least come late April, a certain type of offensive lineman. But if you don't know if Cousins is your guy long-term, 
you know, do you draft a certain kind of lineman for a different quarter? You know what I'm getting at? Like, it's it's right, hard. Right. And do you get a mobile quarterback now? Because that's the trending, the way things are trending. And the other question, though, is if you don't know, if, if Zimmer and Spielman right now don't know on Kirk, shame on them. Well, I think they know, right? They've got to know. I think Collar's probably right. I think they try to extend him. I do. So then you're looking at a certain type of offensive lineman but it does that have you're to targeting. Be, but it does have to be on their terms. It absolutely has to be on their if terms. He says, you would hope that Cousins understands that. I mean, I would say, Kirk, you're going to take a favorable contract for us, not you this time. What is a favorable contract, though? Is it less than his it's gonna guarantee be, it's, for next year? It's going to be something that will make him season? I, I think it's around his current contract. His current contract now does not break the bank completely. I, I don't like it. Yeah, I'm with you. Cannot give him a raise, but I'm not but giving him a raise. Are we talking? Yeah, I mean, are we talking 23 million a year, 28 million he now a year? Falls, he now falls into where the top, the bottom of the top ten. Yeah, I'd have to look. But again, right I mean, Wilson and other guys, Rogers jumped him. Uh, Ryan jumped him. A bunch of guys jumped him. But it, this has to begin with this has to begin with Kirk. We need you to almost become an, an executive now. And see this from our point of view, not the player point of view, which he's not going to like. Al in South Dakota, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Um, so I got a couple of theories here and a couple of things that I want to throw at you guys to see what you think. Um, in this day and age, first of all, with the current roster we have, uh, Kirk Cousins needs a big offensive line. Enough of these guys that can run fast, that are kind of, you know smaller guards, smaller left tackle, smaller right tackle. For, for Kirk Cousins, he needs big offensive linemen with the current roster he has. Because you can tell right now in the, in the NFL playoffs, all the quarterbacks left are mobile quarterbacks. Um, I mean, it's just pretty simple. Enough of these guys, enough of them trying to get the fast guards, fast left tackles, fast right tackles. I think they need to do that. Second of all, when the Wolves built the stadium, I was hoping, I'm 28 years old, so you guys are obviously older than me. Um, I, I was hoping that they would build an outdoor stadium um, because, to me, dome teams, unless you have home field advantage, I mean, when's the last time a home uh, a dome team won a Super Bowl? I think if we would have used the Minnesota weather to our advantage, I think we'd be in a better place. I mean, that's just my opinion. I mean, the last time the Vikings were in a Super Bowl was when they were playing outside, correct? Correct, Al, yeah. I'll put you on hold, Al. You'll get our reaction here. I mean, Atlanta should have won a Super Bowl a couple years ago. New Orleans won one, I guess now we're going back like a decade. 2009 season, yes, sir. But it's not impossible. Yeah. No, no, no. It's not. Yeah, I mean... Heck, would you call Washington and see if they're open-minded to moving Trent Williams? Yeah, most definitely. I'm doing whatever I can. But but this also now depends on... My guess, that's predicated on the fact that I think that they still think, and I think they're wrong, the window is open. But well, with Cousins yeah. coming but with cousins coming back, what else are you going to say? Correct. Like you can't, so they need to operate as if... Yeah. The window is open for the 2020 season. So, I mean, would you would you re-entertain the idea of kicking Riley Reef inside and going after a, a big-time tackle, whether it's Williams or somebody else, but but somebody like yeah, that? Yeah, probably. Why not, right? Kyle in Texas. Good morning. Good morning, guys. How y'all doing? So, doing all right, Kyle. Um, so, obviously, I think uh, everyone here is a diehard football junkie, and we know that... Uh, uh, the game is won in the trenches on the uh, defensive and offensive line side of the ball. Um, after uh, yesterday's game, man, uh, it's a pretty easy uh, transition for me into into the draft season. So 
I'm just going to throw out some names of some guys that uh, that I've kind of narrowed in on that I think that would possibly help the uh, the Vikings going into uh, next year. Yeah, give them to us, Scott. Um, yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, first and foremost, I don't know if y'all have heard of him, but Trey Smith, guard out of Tennessee, big boy. Um, he, I think he had some clotting issues like his freshman year, but it's, uh, I think they, they got his medical all cleared away um, and everything. But uh, I think he's probably going to go somewhere maybe second to third round. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to trading up. And I don't know if uh, Judd is in favor of this, but if you trade up, would you be able to trade up to get one of the better corners in the draft? I'm not opposed to taking the corner because, um, I mean, obviously the, the need is so dire at that position. Um, but uh, I think maybe a local guy that uh, we could snag would be Antoine Winfield just to plug into the safety position. Um I think you're going to have to get a return guy. Um, so I don't know what y'all think about possibly KJ Hamler, who I know is familiar in that area, mm-hmm. or a Jalen Rager type uh, from the Big 12 and TCU. Um, and then as far as corners, um, I the ones that I've kind of seen that possibly I think Minnesota could get, because I don't think you're going to be able to trade up to five to snag like a Cuda or anything like that. Um, Kristen Fulton out of LSU. He's a bigger corner, kind of like Rhodes. I think he's probably about like six one. He has runs a sub uh, four five. Um, and then the other one is Bryce Hall out of Virginia. I think those guys, from what I've seen, um, we're just watching college ball and uh, like uh, a whole bunch of tape, man. I think those guys would probably be able to help the, the Vikings going into the next year as far as uh, draft prospects go. All right, Kyle. Thank you for the call. I want to get to a couple more before we wrap up. I've heard Stefan Diggs' brother, the Alabama cornerback, as maybe a guy that, that fits into that 20 to 30 range. On Antoine Winfield Jr., I think some team is going to love him. He's not a first-round pick. I don't think he's a second-round pick. Maybe he's a third-round pick. But I think he's going to be a good pro. I think he's going to be a good pro, too. And he can return punts. Yeah. I mean, heck, they need a punt returner. He's don't got they? the instincts and and ability. He He's going to be a really solid player. And, and I think he fits into today's, today's game. He's a smaller player. But to me... He could play that same position. His daddy played so well that inside nickel position. I you think can use him many different ways. Well, I mean, that's and he's the a beauty hybrid, of right? Rayfield. His dad was too. Yeah, his dad. His dad was he a can small cover, guy. You can play him in the box. Was, I love Antoine he ba- Winfield Jr. He basically was a hybrid uh, nickel corner slash linebacker. And I think this kid can be the same. And this kid can play some safety. Mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't start him there in this league, but he can play there. I'm a big fan. I was surprised. So I think he's going to be a great player. I was told that the draft advisory board, now it's a little weird. I mean, they either give you a grade of first round, second round, or they make the recommendation you go back to school. Sure. They actually told Antoine Winfield Jr., I'm told, to go back to school. Now all it takes is one team. Yeah. He's been here for four years. And I get why he's going size, pro. His size will scare you. Yeah, teams. but but they actually they advised him, hey, you know, for what it's worth, yeah. we recommend you go back to school for a fifth year. But sure. I think some team, all it takes is one, will fall in love with him. I think he has a chance to go. On Friday, I don't necessarily know if he's a Saturday pick. Maybe he falls to Saturday, but I think whomever ends up with him... If he gets to Saturday, if I'm the Vikings, I grab him. ...is going to love him. Much like Tennessee ended up with the local kid, Amani Hooker, mm-hmm. who was on the field making plays last night. They ended up with him, I think, early Saturday. Mm-hmm. He fell a little bit. He was the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, his final year at Iowa. Then he falls in the draft. Tennessee loves that kid. I know that just because Todd Downing is a friend. He's a tight ends coach, Eden Prairie guy for the Tennessee Titans. They love Amani Hooker. 
you know, maybe you end up with with a comparable situation with with Antoine Winfield Jr. I'd have no problem with that, but he's not he's not a first or a second round pick. All right, two more calls, then we are done for this Sunday. Let's start with Mike in Minneapolis. Mike in Minneapolis, welcome to Vikings Vent Line. Hey, thanks for taking my call, guys. I'll make it quick. I'm glad we started talking about the draft because I, I the only way I see this team improving overnight is they got and it's sacrilegious to Spielman, but they got to move up and they got to move up higher. Just look at Bosa completely changed the complexion of the 49ers defense in one season. Yep. You know, Mahomes. Number two pick, but yes. No, no, you're right. You're right. I'm just saying cheap, uh, you know, not paying a lot. The defense is very expensive right now. Offense is very expensive right now. They need to move up because the 20th-ish pick isn't going to do it. They need to move up at least eight, nine picks. So that's my two cents. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to, at some point, it would make some sense to hit rock bottom. This regime is not willing. I don't think the ownership group is willing, but at some point, yeah, I mean, think about the Niners. It was a close game last year, Week 16. They barely lose to the Chicago Bears, 14-9. to That helped them secure the number 2 pick. We all knew that Kyler Murray was going one. They ended up with this superstar defensive end. I think everybody thought, maybe not at number 2, maybe some teams had Bosa 3 or 4 or 5 on their board, but I think everybody thought, Nick Bosa absolutely is going to be a star. Yep. It took the Niners a while, but them hitting rock bottom has worked out brilliantly. Yeah, and that yeah, and if you are going to that's the thing though about being committed, right? If you're going to bottom out, bottom out. Don't go in halfway. It, it's why it's why uh, to my dying day, the Vikings 3 and 13 campaign will always bug me. You could have lost to Carolina and Washington. Andrew Luck. And Andrew yeah, Luck. And, 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 and I still believe that if you got Luck and put the correct O-line in front of him, he's playing and going strong right now, and you probably are going to at least a couple Super Bowls. Warren, you have 30 seconds. We love you, Warren. Go. Yeah, you know, nobody's brought up two guys they have in the roster they didn't let play this year was Uda and Samia, and they blocked the best in the last few years. Uh, they they didn't give up any sex for sack. The pressure's off to hang on the line to listen. But it's ridiculous to me that you got guys like that on your roster. You don't use them. And this would have made a huge difference. If they would have drafted Eric McCoy, who is already considered mm-hmm. probably one of the best centers in the league yeah. instead of Bradbury, if they would have had all them three on the line, I guarantee you they would have won more games. I just want to ha- uh, hear what you say about Uda and Samoya. And I think they sh- they, they're better than what they got right now and they should have played. Thank you, Warren. We have eight seconds. I do think one, if not both, have a chance to make an impression come training camp. Maybe more so, Samia. Judd, we are Thanks, done. Doogie. We're right up against the that clock. Was fun. Thank you. Have a good day, everyone. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The College Football Playoff Committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the College Football Playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well.
And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts.